Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's a bagpipe tune that every time I hear it reminds me of Hamden. Because when I was growing up, all Aberdeen ever did was go to Hamden, win a trophy and go back home. You beauty. So, this compilation show is special. It's about cup finals. The magic of the FA Cup is brought to you by Messrs Pardew and McAllister. Guys come in Dieta has the Spanish version. Ooh, and it's good. Wait till you see his goal. Gary Mack also provides UEFA Cup memories, some of which <clears throat> are a little racy, along with Terry Butcher and Kevin Bridges, albeit from a slightly different angle. Uh, don't take that last phrase the wrong way. Gary, don't. The Champions League brings despair and regret from Darren Fletcher and Joe Jordan, but also pride and glory, as told here by Graham Souness and Paul Clement. Remember, if you're hearing any of these voices for the first time, the original interviews in full are all available for free at Acast, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. You need three a day if you're going to stay okay. I'm looking at Benitez on the sideline as a manager. He's done. I can see him. He, he knew he was preparing his speech for the defeat. And then literally a, a football miracle happens. And well, have you ever seen? These are moments that change careers. Now, if I'd have won the uh, cup, FA Cup, then where would I be now? What would my personality be different? It might be completely different. A bit of glory at that stage, going on to a big club, uh, success or not success, I might not be where I am now. So these things sometimes happen for a reason. I don't actually think it's in the gods or in the. I think sometimes it's just fate. Mm. Yeah, I can't determine uh, an actual fact. So there we go back to what I used to do at Bristol Palace. Because Peter Grant whispered in my ear with 10 minutes to go, just get Nigel Rio Coker to man mark Stevie Gerrard and we've done it, right? Oh. And I went, because I'm not stupid, that was a good idea. So we man marked Stevie Gerrard. And if you watch the game, because now I'm telling you, you'll know. You watch the last seven or eight minutes of that game. Nigel Rio was all over him like a rash. And Steve Gerrard decided to drop off deep because he wasn't influencing the game. He wasn't getting a kick. And Nigel Rio being the honest pro that he was, stayed deep. Defends the space. To, to prevent the back four. Stevie Gerrard picks it up and shoots from... Another country, yards. basically. So there you go. So we did everything right. I could look back. I still look back on that time and that goal and I could see it now and I... I don't blame Nigel Rirokoga because if it was me, I'd have done exactly the same as him. That was a natural instinct yeah. that he had to do, was protect the back four, not go and mark Stevie Gerrard. I'm going to do nothing from there. There's one that, obviously, which is massive to me, you know, and, and it really stung. It really it hurt more than probably one of the most disappointing. And then, obviously, the, the day turned out actually no bad. But we win the League Cup. Mm-hmm. We're looking. We're going to get to the FA Cup final, Arsenal, and we're we're in Dortmund to play Alaves in the UEFA Cup final. So, if you sat the whole squad in a, a room like this, round this a, a big dining table, like this, and you asked every player in that room, I think you could cut the room in half. So, you ask the British players of the two finals, which one do you want to play in? Mm-hmm. Bear in mind that Gerard was always giving me the nudge of which one I was going to be playing in, mm-hmm. or which games I was going to play in. Know that I thought I'd play in any of them. Maybe I'll play in two of them. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me, I want to play in the FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up as a wee boy watching FA Cup finals. I used to go down over the border with my, my dad and my, 
and all his mates to watch live coverage of BBC England and Moffat because it was normally it was always Rangers Celtic we ended up watching Rangers Celtic <laughs> we'd drive down into the borders at Moffat and watch the English Cup so there was no Wembley at the time it was the, it was, it was the millennium it's not Wembley it's, but, it it's, was, but it was brilliant but so I get told an hour and a half before the FA Cup final against Arsenal that I'm not playing and I'd scored I think I'd scored in four games in a row before it but obviously that was sweetened and Michael scored these two goals and we won the FA Cup and the celebration Gerard comes and nudges me in the side and he says be ready you'll be playing on, on Wednesday in Dortmund in the UEFA Cup final so this is where I'd be a feeling because you, then, you, you came on and ch- the game was Arsenal's for a long long oh, chunk of time you came battered. on and we changed get, things we get battered uh, they battered I'm us. trying to be oh, gentle on I mean, how I say it and I think they tired was it brutal hot because it I, I thought it was brutal. Well, I had ice towels. Obviously, my I'm challenged a wee bit up here, up top. I, was, I, think, I it was, think it's the look. It was. That is the look. Thank There's you. no doubt about that. But yeah. I think it was showing 100 degrees pitch side. Oh la la! One the you know the little thermometers were there. Obviously, 60,000 people inside there as well, but boiling. And and a good, hard-running, clever Arsenal side that deserved their lead. They but they go, don't the they? They they particularly go in terms of the space that they allow. I think. Stefan Henshaw clears one off the line, which was just, he only used one arm, which I think that's why he got away with it. But that was clear. So that's 2 0 in the game. Had been How's clear. your luck? I mean, these things but, happen. But then I just uh, come on and there was a free kick up into the back post. Marcus Babel keeps it in the box and Michael swivels and hits it on the half turn. And then Michael's second goal, it was great through ball from Patrick Berger and he's, he's running away from Lee Dixon. And there can only be one square in the net where he can score. And he hits it. He hits that corner. It was an amazing goal. I still to this day don't quite know how he did it. It looked impossible. And it looks as if the keeper must get there. So you, there's part of these well, how seemingly saved it? But it's, it's a great finish. But you, I had felt, just watching, just as an observer, I was sitting watching with Johnny Greek and I said, this, this is turned. This is turned. There's only one side. Now I don't know how it was going to happen. Do you know by the end, I don't know, if you ever get a chance, to, uh, you know, I'll have watched it back. We could have won four. Mm. Even after that, with two other chances, you know, which we, I think, with three versus one, Robbie, myself, and Bergen were breaking away, and we, we chose the wrong pass. But at the end, we could have ended up winning three or four. For something about muscle memory, again, because they just, as soon as Arsenal's players realise that we've got this, we've got it, it isn't happening. And I don't know if it was your confidence or the quality throughout the team or whether it was you you were younger, fitter, whatever, mm-hmm. as a group. Mm-hmm. There is a moment, and there was a moment where I could tell that I, I didn't know who was going to score or how it was going to come, but you just knew. And up until that moment, you, you couldn't really see how it could be, like, I know, in all honesty. I think it's a trait as well that follows a select band of clubs. Many times they do it. Mm-hmm. Many times the Liverpool get that last-minute Celtic. Rangers Bayern Munich Real Madrid. Munich Is it, it attitude? It's just that never ever surrendering or saying you're beat yeah. At no point you just don't know what's going to happen And sometimes and we'd that'll... been beat honestly we'd been it was a yeah. proper beating Arsenal it was, I, a, it was a proper I hope that wasn't lesson. exaggerating that It was a massive doing They were very good also They were very good on the day and to come out they couldn't believe it they were shell shocked Do you still it seems it shows what I know you win three trophies, you go into Liverpool, you're an absolute legend, you're adored by the fans. We're going to talk about you going and win a, a European trophy, but it still stings you bitterly that you didn't start, whereas not starting and coming on and influencing the game is, is, yeah. a, is a glory of its own. But, but at the time, honestly, I wanted to play in the FA Cup final because that was all the, the foreign boys, all the European lads, they hold the UEFA Cup in such high esteem, they wanted to play in the UEFA Cup. Just this, this, this myth of the Bernabeu and the comebacks and the... But how do you turn? Miedo escénico. Who, who steps up? Who has the cojones? Well, who the, says, lads, no more? And, and well, we all said, well, at that time we had... I was there in midfield. It was, I think it was Luis Milla, uh, Anglo Macarboni. So they were, they were experienced guys there. Final score in the, in the semi-final second I think second it was 3-0 three, three s- or 4-1, something like that. I think you score. 4-1, yeah, I yeah, think, I think we score 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's down to Seville, so Seville led yeah. by the, the mighty Leicester manager of today, um, who's going to leave for Atletico, who are your cup final rivals. And I don't want to be um, mean to Piojo uh, Lopez, who, who I think maybe gets two goals. 
Mm-hmm. But certainly you thrash Radian teaches Atletico. Radi was famous here for Luton and I met him, I know him well, and Dusan, his son. And okay. I, th- I thought he did impressive things and you'll end up being managed yeah. by him very, very briefly yeah. at the camp now. But you absolutely thrash Atleti. And I joked before, but I, I, I think you have to be honest and say that you scored a candidate for the, the single best goal of all time. And the most common, before I ask you to describe it, the most common comparison that's made is with Pelé's yeah. goal in the, the 1958 World Cup, World Cup final. World Cup final, yeah. Now, that's why I said in, in the intro, like, you must be really angry with Messi. And people go on about Messi's goal at the Burnaby on Zidane at Hamden. And, but now I'm not joking. It, this goal was better than those, in my view. Can you tell us a little bit about what happens in the goal? What do you do? Well, it was, I started a bit earlier before the game. I think it was the night before or maybe in the same day in the morning. Ranieri calls me in my room mm-hmm. and says, I need to speak to you before the game. Okay, I go to his room. And he says, I need you to ask you a big favor today. Having got left backs. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Virklund couldn't play. And Jockey, Gerardo, good man, Jockey, speaking to him last night. Yeah. What a fantastic guy, he's Rangers a lot, legend. Guy. Spoke to him Rangers last night, well, a lot yeah. of guys. Boys are in the youth system now, he eh? Is, is he? Yeah, yeah. Good man, Jockey. Yeah. I don't know if it was injury, was or couldn't play because of uh, yellow card, red card. Gerardo, which was normally the one that would replace him, he had, a, I think it's the groin or something. So he says, we need you there. Say, Gafa, I play another final with Valencia, which we lost against um Spanish Cup final. I lost against Deportivo. Yeah, what what happened in that one? Remember that one with the, with the hailstones the, that it got stopped and it wasn't a red card in that. And one, someone got yeah, no, two yellows. Yeah, two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> first Let's one, on. only you, one. Yeah, that's the only you, one. You know oh. who we're talking about, don't you? <laughs> got a good memory. Yeah. Done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like football. Yeah, okay. So, guys, still was sent off in his previous cup yeah, final yeah. with Valencia. So, yeah. when the boss says to you left back, you're going, "Come on, boss, I want to win this you know, one." Yeah, it's it's the final. It's you know. Come play me on the left one. Yeah, we need you there. So okay, play final. And then it turned up. So my 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 thoughts about the game was like, you know, you always want to play a final to shine, to score goals, sure to make do. history, make have your impact, uh, especially as a captain and stuff. And I was like, right, you know, I want to have to play my second role in the team and 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 do whatever I need to do there. But the way the game started. I was up and down. I was going and attacking. I said, yes, you take care of that. <laughs> who, so who were you saying that to? Well, I was Ayala and Jukic would have been in there. Did, did effectively, did you leave them with three at the back? No, I was... I mean, in a formation yeah, like, like, like yeah, yeah. Anglema, Ayala, Jukic, pl- my, maybe yeah, played a yeah, three, yeah. shuffled yeah, across. Yeah, shuffled a little bit, yeah. And, and, because I was and, like, and, and you played the centre forward. Yeah, yeah, up and down isn't true. Up and down, up and down isn't true. Yeah. Maybe your legs felt like felt that, but... <laughs> because... When your goal, yeah, then comes. then well, first one I said the one for for Piojo. We absolutely on the counter. We we, we were so good, and I remember a diagonal to me on the left, got back and saw Piojo in the box and gets the volley. Then another ball is in the other way around. It's it's Ilya which he makes the run. Uh, Ilya the the, Ilya, the, 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 the Romanian who he was did so much damage to England in yeah. the. I was there, I guess, 1998 World Cup he scores. And he it's was close. he was like the Romanian Romario. He was. Oh, wasn't he was he? incredible. Two legs, quick. Well, I remember when he signed for Valencia, he came in January. We were like, where did this guy come from? We, we never heard of him. And it was incredible. Anyway, so he gets the ball there. As I see, Piojo is, is obviously as a striker there. But there was, the, the, the holding midfielders were kind of stopping there. No one was making runs to potentially getting the ball across something in the box. So there was me, once again, running forward. And as I, Ilya sees me, I ask the ball, thinking that he's going to put it in front of me, so I'm going to put it down and shoot or take any... Dif- we'll see. But uh, the way he, he crosses the ball, it, I kind of run past the ball. So my only chance to do it and control it first is... The- when I say this, that, that's what it goes through your head once you're there. It's different afterwards when you see it. So because my, you, you didn't see it for a long time afterwards. No, no, I didn't see it for a long time. No, no, no. I'll tell you that story later. <laughs> so chest, firstly to say, well, to control the ball because it was the closer to the ball that it was at the moment. Then trying to bring it down. I was, by that time, facing back the goal. My back was facing the goal. The, the goal. Knee. And then I see, obviously, I know who they are. They didn't know who they were back in the day. But I saw these shares next to me. 
So I think, well, I flip it over, whoever is a sombrero, and, and then I should be in goal. Not realizing that there were four players. I mean, I thought it was one or two. I didn't, I didn't like I said, that, that's, at the moment, I just thought over my head and, and, and then I should be in front of the goal. Well, and, and that's what happened. I put it over. I see I'm right in front of Molina and I think all, all went through my head was target, target. <laughs> Especially was with my left foot. Target. Don't, don't try to put pace and you pull it up, up you know, in the stands or wide or whatever. Just target. Funny enough, I hit it with front foot, which normally when you go on target, you put your inside. But went front foot and it scored. And, and it was like, normally when you score a goal, you don't know what you're doing. You, you, you just run not thinking. But that day, even, <laughs> I, don't, I can't even remember, after goal, was just, well, I've seen it. I knew I was running around, but my head, my brain was completely just gone so, everywhere. So was mine. I was there, I, I was working, I can't remember which editor said to me, yes, you can, you can go. But we're in a beautiful night in Sevilla. I genuinely meant it's a it's very dark by this stage because it kicked off late. The moon is huge. Mm. The moon is like the moon is like a Euro Millions jackpot. It's that big, and it's copper, and it's hanging over the stadium. And Valencia are playing brilliantly. It's already strange to know that the manager of Valencia is going to join Atleti. You've made the first goal. Illy puts it in from the left, as you said. Valencia's left, and and I see this guy who I've seen three years earlier in the under-21 tournament, do exactly what you said. But I'm only mentioning this because it looked differently from what you described there. What it looked like was it looked like Maradona's more skillful brother. Mm. You step out, chest control, knee up, I know where every player is, flick over my own head, turn, like Frank Worthington, if anybody remembers him, (laughs) volley. I would argue that if you... I'll supply this on our blog... I'll supply the footage of this goal. You watch it and you compare it with Zidane at Hamden, Messi at the Bernabeu, Pelé in 58. Maradona's in the World Cup where he drifts past half the England team. is different. It's different in mm. style. And, and then you're down to personal preferences, what you yeah, like more. Yeah. But to do so many skill movements in a compact space, mm. in such a short space of time, to me, I, I at the moment, I thought, I'm looking at the best player in the world. In that moment, I just mm. couldn't believe... Then, had I known it was you, I'd have known there was, a, there was another one coming yeah. any any minute now. But you said you'd tell me another story about it. Oh, yeah. So the game finishes, we celebrate, got the, the cup, everyone, what a goal you scored. In my head, I couldn't see the whole goal as the goal. I had the moment of testing it, so I, I didn't have the whole picture. So, yeah, yeah, what a goal, fantastic. Obviously, I knew it was something special, but it wasn't until I watched it, which... As I told you, when I used to play, I would watch my games to try to, you know, what you did right, what you did wrong, the team, how we play. But if I score a goal or did something, I, I, I never really watched it. So this goal, I didn't watch it for years because I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> Just basically, I didn't want to watch it. I moved to Spain because of my experiences as a, as a punter Aye. at the 82 World Cup. And it wasn't because I wasn't watching league football, so it wasn't that that made me go back. It was about everything I experienced there. What you've never told me but is interested me is about the Seville experience beyond the match, beyond the fact that Celtic were outstanding and cheated out of a trophy. Travelling there, the, the, the heat, the behaviour of the fans, the, 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 the culture, the things that... Well, I wasn't going to be allowed to go because I had two exams coming up, which is a fairly valid reason for missing a football match. Except you didn't think of it that way at the time? No. Well, my dad, he missed Lisbon in 67 because he told me for the same price as the bus that we're going to get the bus for Don Toker down to Lisbon. Down to Lisbon, I'm saying that as if that's a route for Clybank to Lisbon. What bus is that you get? <laughs> um, it's a 67, is it? They were taking a bus, and for that same price, they could have had two weeks in Arnold, which apparently that was the Magaluf its day. So it was the first lads' holiday all the game. And he went on the lads' holiday. I don't understand that either. But I think he was saying at the time, as a Celtic fan, being in the European Cup final wasn't quite the same level of hysteria as being in the UEFA Cup final in Seville. It was as if oh, be more. we'll be in next year's ah. jocks team. So they'd done the lads' holiday and they missed Lisbon. Obviously devastating when we won. Delighted, but that bit of him just going, I should have went. I should really have went. So in 1970, Milan, he went to Milan. We got beat, Feyenoord, beat Celtic. And then I think he thought that was it. I don't think he ever anticipated it would be what 
33 years until we're in a European final again. So I think he was going to have me go through the same pain. Basically, his attitude was these things happen every 33 years under this Celtic team. Who knows? Well, it's, I don't see it for a while anyway. Ah, you know, that's a bit harsh. I don't know. But anyway, he was pretty much keen on live for the moment. You need to take these experiences. This is the stories you tell your grandchildren. And he managed to overrule my mother. Uh, and I missed my maths and computing exam to go to the game. And then we managed to get match tickets and stuff like that. Because I'd, I think I'd been to a lot of the away games and stuff, so I had quite a high priority, whatever it's called, the points you accumulate. We arrived there one in the afternoon, baking hot. I don't think i seen concrete hoops everywhere. A couple of Porto fans kicking about, and I ain't even ever considered them just buying a Celtic strip. And, um, <laughs> I just, I, was, I just never expected this. What was it? What was, is it not? I mean, like my memory is that whenever you come out of the plane, or just, the heat, it was absolutely just, suffocating. Like, that, the this heat. is what I mean. People who haven't lived that don't know what it's like. You, you get knocked out by the heat. There's this. Plus, that many people, uh, the, the body heat, noise, that, even if that was in Moscow in that final, it would have been. Getting awesome. anywhere quickly <laughs> is impossible. Aye. You hear all the accents and the jokes and yep. the bevy everywhere. It's just, it's the only thing we do well at football. It was like the whole city was just, you constantly felt as if you were just leaving the game. Not that way, you're just shoulder to shoulder with somebody the whole day. So it was me, my dad, my uncle George. And my dad's arthritis began to play up pretty bad, so we had to find him a taxi somewhere to get him to the stadium. And me and my uncle George were going to walk up through the square to the Olympic Stadium. So we managed to find this taxi with only like three guys getting in. And my uncle George said, look, can you just take him up? You're all going to the same place, obviously. And we'll just catch you up there. So my dad got in. But then when he drove away, my dad had the tickets, right? So my uncle George is going, right. he's got all the tickets. We never arranged a place to meet. He obviously presuming we'll just get him at the seat when we get into the stadium. So we're trying to find him. We got to the stadium, we walked up and we're just going, right, how do you even go about finding a guy with a Celtic strip on in Seville? So we're just like, unfortunately, my dad had found this big grassy park and just sat in the middle, just hoping we'd see him. I remember just being delicate. I was going, Dad! <laughs> just like ran across, grabbed the tickets, three years went in. But there's people, because he'd, he'd sat down, there's people obviously thinking that was because he was steaming, but he doesn't drink. And people try to pick him up, just going, come on, big man, you're we'll ready you know, hey, I've go. had a couple too. And he's heard to go, I'm fine, I'm fine. So we made it into the stadium. Do you know, two stories, Kate, I was travelling back from Almeria um, this season with somebody who'd been involved with UEFA's security on that day. Was it the Olympic Stadium? The Olympic Stadium, aye, that's right. And he said to me, there's two things that they did made it difficult for you guys, unfortunately, they'd come up with this brilliant ticketing idea, which was like, there was, it was like infrared and 6D and there was computer chips in it. And it Aye. was like, the most of they'd used a Spanish treasury to design and print the tickets. But you know there's somebody in the East End coming up with an even more advanced scheme to get the fakes through. The only thing that could outthink the East End was the Spanish system, which went, they said, how many machines will we need to read these tickets for our 45,000 quid? One. They had one machine operating for all the tickets they had to scan it through. So I well, nobody can get in. There's only one. They can't move that thing around the stage. That's all they had. So they started opening doors and letting, just looking at the tickets and letting them in. And at one stage, there was such a big queue of people with tickets that log jam caused by the fact that they couldn't read the tickets. They opened a big door and they looked out and all they could see was a sea of wheelchairs with people in green and white strips outside. It was just acres and acres of wheelchairs like a sort of attack of the killer wheelchairs. And what had happened was the word had got about, I didn't, I wasn't there at the time, and this is the UEFA guy telling me that Celtic fans had found out that there was either reduced or free access to disabled people. <laughs> so they'd gone round the whole of Seville's hospitals, clinics, medical supply shops, and bought all the Aye. wheelchairs and wheeled themselves <laughs> up there to get in. And it was like your bus story, but you got to let us in, man. It's, Aye, look, exactly. look, the wheels, we've got the wheels. And as soon as the goal goes in, they're up. <laughs> your beauty. Henrik Larson cured the disabled. Never seen so many Ingen disabled people jump. Ingenuity. No, i never seen that myself. I've seen one no, guy. No, but it's characterful. I managed to get through with a, a fake ticket. He's turning around his mates. What, going, yeah, as soon as I float shouting, they worked, they worked. Rather than just heed down and get, get to your seat or find a seat. Uh, I had loads of stories. It was a great experience, especially at that age. I was what, 16, I'd have been. Mm. Used to take in something as massive as that. I, I, I seem to remember, I, I might be wrong, the, the two legged final of the UEFA Cup which is triumphant, it's maybe including the 62 title, it's maybe the best moment in the club's history, I guess it is, maybe one of the best moments in, in your... It felt that, 
Certainly the second I made it, was, was there a bit of tiredness eventually because it became closer than maybe it should have no, been? No, it wasn't tiredness, oh. certainly wasn't tiredness. I mean, we, we, the preparation was all right. We'd, we'd play the game against Southampton and lost 3-2, a league game in between the, the, the two legs. Um, so you know, we'd, we'd lost the title, we'd obviously lost the FA Cup early on. Um, and we're 3-0 up playing in Amsterdam Arena and it's... It's you just want the game to you just want to finish the game off. You don't care because you, you, you got one hand on the trophy. And right. It's a really strange position to be in because it's not as though it's even Stevens. It's not, but you still don't you, you don't want to have the embarrassment of losing a three goal lead. If she's had lost a three goal lead against Barcelona before and a couple of cup whatever it was when Cruyff it went to penalties and Cruyff absolutely took over. That was the one you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. So on the day, Altmar played very similar to the Graham Taylor's Watford. They played two at the back. Spellboss and Metgod, Johnny Metgod, remember good, him? Good. Well, played against Aberdeen in the Cup, yeah. cup final. And they, and they had dread. two four four. They went, and we, and, you know, we, we were like, wow, because we, we played against it before with Graham Taylor's Watford, but for them to do like that was quite radical and very brave. What were the challenges in football terms when they played like that against you? Well, it's man for man, and, and you, you, there's no. If you make a mistake, then you know you're under pressure, and by making it man to man, man on man, one on one, it puts your opponent under pressure and they, they on the day they had nothing to lose like I five think, you cannot let your man go you by you stay with your man all the time yeah, yeah. and you, that's your job and yeah. you, as long as you, if you sometimes in football very simple instructions like that can make can take away the pressure off you and you just say right I'm going to go wherever I want to go when we haven't got the ball when you're in possession you can be out of position <laughs> <laughs> and things like this but you have to be back in position when you're out of possession <laughs> and that's what that address Alvin, doing quite well. Alvin are you listening to this <laughs> I could do quite well so we went 1-0 up and you think well that's the game over because we've got the away yeah. goal we're 4-0 up yeah. and then they score a goal straight away and then we get a second goal and you think well it must be over now it was like it was, it was like in a boxing ring where you keep hitting the opponent and he keeps going down but he keeps getting back up yeah. you're thinking I'm going to knock him out in a minute and the referee's going to throw you know there's going to be a towel thrown in but the towel wasn't thrown in in the end they won 4-2 and I'm your mass comes into it then you're thinking a bit like Salonika in the, in the first round yeah. you're thinking you know, no, this can't happen. But we, we held on to win to, to win the tie so overall. Tactics aside of them going man for man and playing this formation they weren't quite used to facing, therefore you have to adapt. Much of that was psychology. The, the fact that you have to cope with the idea of what's well, semi one and they have nothing to lose. Is that what I was seeing when I saw the second leg that oh, I wondered why why aren't Ipswich putting this this game, this team to bed, but it, it was something to do with them just saying, well, yeah. let's, we, we, we just can get at them. No? Yeah, and also because Gatesy then couldn't get any space, couldn't get away anywhere, couldn't get you know, find the holes that he normally found, especially in the first game, because so, he had a man marker, and he would follow him everywhere, so we, we couldn't get our men on the ball that would win us the games, or had won, had won us the games that season. You could also say as well, it's 66 games, it was the end of a, a really, really competitive season, and the semi-final when we, when we went away to Cologne, it was Easter. So we played Arsenal on the Saturday. We lost at home 2-0. We played Norwich away on the Monday, lost 1-0. Mm-hmm. And then we had on the Wednesday, we flew out after the game to Cologne, after the game on Easter Monday. So we then had to play on the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then we played the following Saturday. Mm-hmm. So from Saturday to Saturday, there was four games, mm-hmm. which is like unbelievable. Is that one of the great regrets? Because you were a title-winning side but that, that didn't quite... Well, we, we beat Villa three times that season, once in the Cup as well, home and away, um, and we felt we were the better team. But at the end of the day, the, the, the best team wins the title, there's no doubt about that. And we gave away a lot of points, we had a bad running. The, the last dozen games were, by our standards, were very poor, and that's where we lost it. Do you know what happened, retrospectively? Uh, you could say tiredness, but I think... There's a lot of state pressure. Teams knew us very well. They didn't want to get beaten by us again, and you know, we just we just didn't do the business that we that we had done previously. I don't know if I'm talking rubbish, but I remember at the time thinking that Aston Villa maybe had just two or three guys of a deeper squad. It felt like they were well, able to cope with the injuries. You say a deeper injuries. squad. I think they only played for either fourteen. You either used only fourteen or fifteen players 15, that I season. Think, yeah, fifteen players, and we we must have used twenty odd because we got Seriously. massive injuries. We got, we, well, that, we got injuries to BT. We got injuries to beat. We got injuries to Mariner. Yeah. Got injuries to key players. George Burley was injured halfway through the season. Maybe well. I've said it wrong in that. In that, I remember that it felt like a combination of injuries and then the tiredness of playing so many games and being alive in so many competitions. It, it, it has to drain that that nil nil becomes one nil to you or, yeah. or, or well, one one. I mean, we wanted to win something. You know, probably the least tro- the least sort of impressive trophy that we could have won. We won. You, you'd rather win the FA Cup. You'd rather win the league title, obviously, but. 
it was still an incredible feeling. It was an incredible season. I think Adidas voted us the team of the year and all that sort of thing. And, you know, it was just it was just a just a wonderful journey for for us all. It was just incredible. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, maybe we'll let you go on a golden, golden, golden memory, unless there's, unless there's things about Leicester and Coventry we have to see, because I, I guess... Alibis still has there been a better night for you in football than that? No, I don't think so. You know, been, I think I was involved in all the goals, scored the goal. We touched on it earlier. I was given man of the match and presented by Johan Cruyff. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? I'll kind of do it on it. That was sort of little written. Like, it wrote was, the theme tune, sang the theme it tune. It was like it was just one of those nights. Heck of a stadium I've too. I've got to say, we go one 0 we go two 0 I think we're winning five or six. Yeah. And then the one little thing, you know, Gerard really was brilliant to me. This was maybe one of the reasons why we didn't quite just get the win in the league at Liverpool, because the following season we were unlucky second to Arsenal. At 2-0, information comes on, Gary, Didi, stay behind it, Stevie, let's, let's protect what we've got. Rather than being having that cavalier, if you're going to win a league, you've got to, at some point, you know, you, you go... Go and win five, go and win six. What he knew best was what to protect what he had. We were cruising. And then Alaves make a couple of brave substitutions. Mm-hmm. They're in it, they're back in it, and it turned. Mm-hmm. We are rocking. And Robbie Fowler comes on and gets a goal. And, and the <laughs> this is a wee bit left field, but one of, one of the memories that I have of, of the game that night is just as Robbie's warming up to come on, I'm taking an, a corner. So... Westfall Stadion, obviously, you know the yellow wall. It's fantastic. Alaves have got that. And then Liverpool have got the other three quarters of the ground. So I'm in the Liverpool end of the... So it's all Liverpool fans. And I'm just about to try and hit a little corner to Emil Heskett in the post. And Robbie's stretching his hamstrings, getting ready to come on. Short run up, just try to dink it to the near post. And something comes flying out the stand, you know, from high, and it... Comes wasn't past my ear, and I'm thinking, boom. Comes wasn't past Robbie, past me, and thuds into the deck. You know, and obviously it's a very memorable night, but this is one of the things that sticks in my mind from the night. And on closer inspection, <laughs> Fowler and I look at it, and we go, yeah, it is. And it was the biggest double dildo <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And, and as cool as you like, Fowler, Fowler flicks it up with his right peg no. and volleyed it back out of the crowd. <laughs> and, I like, that's, and I'm thinking, that's, you know, and you think back, and that's one of the things, like, oh yeah. Fowler. Who makes that plan? You, you, you're at your house and you're like, scarf, yeah, ticket, yeah, passport, yeah. Double, 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 double. Who's? All right, lads. Where is it? it was, Who's left it behind? Wow! It was like. Wow. Thank the Lord it didn't hit. So, but 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 great night. And, and this, <laughs> I never knew that. And you know the, the you know the golden goal. To this day, if you you get a wee chance to ever see that ball hitting off the head and get into the back post, four or five year boys go back to the they to centre. They don't know. You knew, eh? I knew. Yeah, but. Um, if I'm thinking back, Sammy Hippie and Marcus Pablo Didi, they're, they're going back ready to wow. see you at the game. I hope the celebration is there was a wee bit of punishment for, uh, you know, because it's, it's a hard school of knocks in the dressing room, and if you've gone back to the centre circle, there's got to be some. By the way, we were ushered back into the change room with a wee bit of 
photographs and that taken and then we were straight on an aeroplane heading to the valley to beat Charlton in the last game of the season to secure Champions League so the the, the way she there was nothing after the game and a celebration of several days later is good but it's not quite that it was a good trip back from the valley I've I would say. say but the euphoria that mad euphoria yeah, it couldn't do it we were, we're literally we had a massive probably a bigger game as far as it's the, the, the you know, that, pragmatic revenue we're trying to, you know, try to attract players you've got to win the Champions League and this is the we had to win the game at, at the valley Three, can you remember what you were worried about? That what Milan had. Yeah, about them scoring another goal. It's strange the mentality of football. You go from three-one, three-two, and you think we've got to get a goal. As soon as you go three-three, something cut. You think, oh, we've got something to lose now. <laughs> you have that mentality. It's like when a team are winning to another half time. Why did the other team always come back into the game or put you under pressure? It just, it just, it just happens. It's just, it's just the way it was. But I think what we put into those six minutes or the start of the second half. I think eventually sort of took its toll on us and we were playing against a team who were far better than us far better than us and then they changed it round a bit Rafa had to change it round a bit Serginio came on on the left because we had Smyser who was a number 10 if you like playing right wing back that's how the team had to be set up second half Stevie went there then so I think certainly in extra time we were thinking penalties if, if we get to penalties we've, we've won the lottery you know we've, we've come back for 3-0 down with 3-3 we're hanging on against the best side in Europe and it took everything. We had me making tackles, Jersey making unbelievable saves, Shevchenko missing him, an absolute sitter. But no, towards the end there, it was, it was getting extra time penalties. Before we start the tape, I told you that one of my favourite Monday Night Football discussions was you and Gary, September 2013, talking about David Luiz, Chelsea have just lost to Everton. Mm. And there's a really good philosophical debate about what should a defender in Premier League do? Should he defend? Can he come forward? Names like Baresi and PK are mentioned. It's a right good debate. Mm. But you're quite staunch about defenders defend. Mm. And defenders, you know, you shouldn't be one-on-one or going on a run or whatever. When the penalty was called in Istanbul, where were you on the pitch? I was on the edge of the box. I was in the box. You were? <laughs> I was a right centre-back stepping out with the ball, football and centre-back. Stepping out or driving right to yeah, the opposition box yeah. and sending off a nice little ball to Milan Barros, no? yeah. Yeah, acting a back three, stepping what up. Happened? So slightly different. But yeah, I think I played the the ball into something. Did I get one, two? I, I think I played the ball, stepped out and played And, and did Barros flick it round the corner for Stevie? Yeah. You played the ball from about eight metres outside the penalty box, right in the Barros's feet, who yeah. lays it off to Stevie. Yeah. Before the tackle's gone in, there's a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I'm, yours. Uh, I'm trying to get someone sent off, I think. What possessed you? I think, as I've knocked it into Barros, you know what? I think a lot of the. You're playing then, as I said before on emotion I'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do stepping in but the way we were playing it was just like so we're 3-2 so this is for the penalty to make it 3-3 so what I'm saying is in them two minutes everyone's just like right give me the ball you're bashing you're actually looking for the ball I think I'm looking for the ball back off Barros that's why I carry on me run and he goes the I go one way and Stevie goes the other and he flicks it around the corner to Steve so I think I just carry on my momentum you'd have hit it Oh, if, if yeah. he laid it, yeah, top, top, still going top right now. or top left, it'd still be going where the <laughs> Serginio's penalty went. I think in the shootout, but uh, no, I think you get caught up again with the emotion, the crowd. I'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do, but more often than not, it's not something I would have done. But it's something you used to do as a kid. You know, you'd eat on your back at school. You mm. played striker, then you played creative midfield. Mm. You, you were digging into something that you knew you had. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think every footballer, whatever he plays, will always play centre forward or centre midfield when he's a kid, you know, for his uh, school team, Sunday team. So it's nice for that to come back in the middle of a European Cup final, those memories. <laughs> it reminded me that I had one of like, glorious interview with Gary Mack about the Alibis game, how chaotic and fun that was and what a fantastic team you had. You were equally knackered in that one, weren't you, for a different reason oh, altogether? Yeah. I think we were gone physically and mentally in that game and we'd played Arsenal three days before and won a cup final from nowhere the heat was unbelievable that day at Cardiff again we'd won it late on and I always remember going to the UEFA Cup final on the coach and normally a cup final there's a bit of nerves there's a bit of tension mm. on the bus and I remember looking round and it was like we were playing a normal game not that we weren't we were just physically even being in like the zone takes a, doesn't take a lot but it's like everyone was just like we were shattered Played every cup game we could possibly play. We won the three cups. We ended up getting to the Champions League, which we did three days later, and we were awful. We beat Charlton away 4-0 the first half. 
which could have been 4-0 down, we were that. But Alaves, on a normal day, we'd have beat them 3-4-0. I, and I always remember the celebration afterwards with the Alaves game. And I always remember it was like the bath at the end of the game. It was more like a swimming pool. It wasn't a bath. And everyone was just sitting there without saying it. We just won the UEFA Cup. Everyone was just sat there. It was like... It was so strange. I can picture it now because I thought, this is so strange. But I was part of it. You're just physically gone, physically and mentally gone. Like you couldn't even celebrate. Mm. You just won one of the most... Probably the most amazing UEFA Cup final of all time. Mm. We've got the three trophies, the, the treble of the three cups... And we had a game three days later against Charlton, but I don't mean celebrate in terms of you know getting on the aisle or something when you went back to the hotel, but even just you, you see pictures, don't you? People laughing and joking in the bath, throwing a trophy around, or you know, old-fashioned pictures. Whereas we were just absolutely shattered. This is the joy of doing this because I've never heard anybody say that before. But you've immediately made me think. By sheer fluke, I was invited into the World Cup winning dressing room, and I came out telling friends, "I've seen our pub teams or." Sunday lunchtime team celebrating an away win against Duffers mm. with more passion than the Spanish boys. A quick hooray, the Queen coming in, roughing it all in tears, painted face, the lads posing with the cup, and then, whew, like that, mm. flat, flat. Not flat, unhappy, but like yeah. you said, no adrenaline, no mm. leaping about. I think what happens is you, you have a lot of you celebrating on the pitch, what happens when you win a trophy. So I think sometimes that takes it, not takes it out of you, but you feel like you've done it. But certainly with that Alaves one, it was different to the others. You'd still... I can't remember getting pictures in the dressing room of the cup against Alaves UEFA Cup, whereas if you're in the FA Cup or the yeah. Carlin Cup or the European Cup, you're still all... But that one was just like, thank God it's over. You see, that you, what I was meaning by that is that, do you think that as fans, we underestimate exactly how drained and exhausted a footballer can yeah, get? I think so. I think especially mentally, because physically, I think we probably all played football at different levels and for us to get absolutely shattered at a different level to the, the man on the street or the supporter, but maybe not understanding or getting the, the mental tiredness which I think is more which affects your decision making yeah of course yeah it's the build up to the game it's how you're playing well yourself or the team doing well have you made a mistake in the game it's we have to win the pressure of we're playing Alavis in the final well, don't forget we're expected to win mm. this comfortably can't lose because oh, it's Alavis it's 4-4 yeah. it's golden goal we're a few minutes away from penalty shootout it's you know it just it does it takes you time cup finals are normally the end of the season obviously the end of the season so it's that sort of build-up. It's complete coincidence that you name those two, but I want to ask about something that I suppose, well, if it were me, it would be a painful memory. You were falsely suspended for Rome. They both missed the camp. Now, I think for legitimate bookings, each of them, I was at the Turin game, and I was sorry for them, but they were both genuine bookings. Yours wasn't. Yours was a mistake, so Alex called it a tragedy. And I was there the night before the game, impoverished, out with journalists. I was a freelance. I couldn't afford to pay my dinner. I was sitting there moping around. And who should walk along the side of the pavement but Ted Beckham? So he stops and says hello, because we did our ups and downs over the years, but we've become very friendly. And he was like, I'm just walking around Rome to soak this up. You know, this beautiful city, and it's red everywhere. Because, you know, it wasn't just about David for him anymore. It was like, he's one of the most passionate United fans. Ever. So he was just gushing with joy about this. But you had to spend a lot of time on your own wandering around Rome that day because you weren't part of it. What was what were those couple of days like? What do you take from it as a lesson about life or 2009? What does it mean to you now? Yeah, it's massive regret. But I've basically my burning desire, like from my child, was to play in a Champions League final, and I've like three times I've been like I was on the been on the bench twice and never got on the pitch and. Maybe in the final that I definitely would have started, I get the red card, and I've just never quite achieved that. And the, the burning desire and drive that that gave me, though, at United, probably helped me produce good performances and stay there as long mm. as I did in longevity and and things like that. Um, I spoke to my dad very quickly after the game, and he went because there was talk of like getting rescinded and that. He's like, forget about it. He said, get there next year, concentrate on winning the league, and I took him took that on board. In a lot of ways, it, your, your stock gets higher when you miss a game. And I think that's a perfect example of that for me. And that might sound, but, you know, people, we would have done this or we missed. And sometimes, in a, by default, you become a better player. Mm. And I think that's true because, and even in your times when you're out of the side, when you're ill, you're not being there for a while, you know, people, oh, we missed. You, people remember the good times, don't they? I think that's a, a saying. But 
even if my stock went higher and the Man United fans, I still I would still change it to play in that final, yeah. definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. I expect that, aside from that passion to lift the cup and to play in that game and to fulfil a boyhood dream, the, the competitor in you and the analyst in you would have been looking at those two Barcelona sides. I'm leaving Moscow aside now because effectively you're a Champions League winner. I might ask in a minute how you feel about that, but the history books will always say, you know, Dan Fletcher was part of a Champions League winning squad. But analytically, I'm fairly sure you'd have liked to have done what Jose was talking about there and set yourself about stopping what Alex said, you know, they'll kill you with your passing. And from my humble point of view, even if he listens to this, I think particularly in 2011, you picked the wrong team. You weren't available in 2009, so you couldn't rescind the red card. But boy, they got a lot of space in the two games. Now, I've followed Alex Ferguson's career closer than he has. And hear Alex Ferguson say, after Rome, that goal after nine minutes killed us. And that's the most atypical Alex Ferguson phrase ever. How can an Alex Ferguson team be beaten after nine minutes at 1-0? Mm-hmm. But it was because that team wouldn't really wouldn't give the ball back. And I think both in 2009 and 11, when we, we spoke a lot before Wembley, and I was convinced that you were going to make it and that they would make a difference. I think, genuinely, I thought, maybe you think it's, you're laughing at me now, maybe you think it's not your push to say it, but I think United would have been a damn sight closer to winning it had you been doing what you've just talked about, which was your art of making sure the good players can't play as well as they want to. That must be a separate frustration that you didn't get at. Test yourself against Xavi and Iniesta and Messi at their best and, and maybe beat them. No, I think in 2009, I think it was a big part of our game plan and the way we may not be in there, as I spoke about, being the one to set a tempo mm-hmm. and, and how we beat Arsenal in the semi-finals and how we, you know, we were relentless in pressing and, and getting against them and setting a tempo in the match. And um, I f- personally think we were favourites in that final. I know a lot of people won't believe it, but and going in 2009, I felt like, I think maybe that, not that we didn't respect Barcelona, but there was no fear of Barcelona at that time. And I think that might have ultimately helped us go in and win the match. They weren't regarded as the great team as they were. They were on the, they were going towards that. That was almost like the game that stamped it. Totally right. And we felt, I felt we would still win the game in without me. And I think the manager speaks about people not following the game plan to the, to the letter. And we might get away with that in other games, but maybe you don't get away with it in Champions League final. And he still holds true that the players didn't fulfil what was expected of them or what was asked of them in the game. And maybe we did change the style and we would play because of, because I wasn't in right midfield. Now. And I think we did a little bit because we, we didn't really go to relentlessly press them and stop them playing as maybe we should have or could have. I regret it because I feel like I could have made a difference. Yep. I know people will laugh at that. No, I asked you the question and I'm yeah. saying it sincerely. Yeah, It's not praise because we're sitting no. across the table. I think if somebody can't see that, they don't watch football very well. Mm-hmm. Not just because of what you did or what Man United played like, but what Barcelona don't like. All right, neither of us can say you'd have won the game, you wouldn't have won the game, but if you even look at how the first goal comes and the amount of room that a 60% fit Andres Iniesta has to run with the ball before feeding it to Eto'o, again, from my point of view. Now, it didn't mean no harm as a freelance journalist in Barcelona for them to win it, so I'm not actually saying I regret it, but it sticks out a mile. Yeah, exactly, and we start the game so well. And You know, in 2009, I was physically very, very, Mm -hmm. you know, like powerful and, and box to box and stamina levels were very very high. I was you know I started to get a bit of strength and you know not being the biggest physique and, and ever and, and I could have I could have done it for ninety minutes pressed and and closed down and harried and made it so difficult and um, the team was built to play that day. That's how we got to the final. You know Carlos Tevez, Wayne Rooney. You know they could run and press all day. We we, we had the capabilities of doing it, but we didn't follow our game plan and and we started the game very well and should go in the lead. But it's, it's true in the both games, for 20 minutes we managed to be able to sort of impact the game, but over 90 we, we just couldn't do it, and ultimately, especially in 2011, they completely dominate and control the game. That's because I don't think I was physically able no, to do it in 2011. I'd just come back from my illness, the first bout of it, and looking back, I was very fortunate to even make the bench. I think, in your head you think you are, but looking back, I don't think I, I was physically at a point where I could have done what I'd have liked to have done in that final. We had the mentality which was a bit like how they train a police dog. When you train a police dog, when they train a police dog, the dog never loses. The bad guy has to walk away. You know, he has to back off. 
So the police dogs always on. And we were a bit like that. We, we were always, the only thing they, they said to us before games wasn't, you know, you're playing a team that plays 4 4 2 or be care, worry about. We never mentioned opposition. What they would say is, if you lot are at it today, there's nothing for anyone. Nothing for any of them. And that included a European Cup final against Rome in Rome. You, you, you've sparked a thought back to the last conversation that you and I had. It was on the telephone. And I think Jamie Redknapp has phoned you to tell you to watch the Paris final against Real Madrid. Yeah. And you re-watched it. And you said to me, we must have been horrible to play against. We were hard to play against. You used a stronger word on yeah. the telephone. Because nobody, we've now established, for anybody who didn't see that football, we've now established, we're talking about some of the all-time great British footballers, we're talking about an ability to play football which is gorgeous, flowing, swaying, not intelligent, that changes that, that of direction. A, that was a not that war night, of attrition. That across, was meaty. Across the board. But that's what I'm getting to. So that nobody should mistake when they listen to this podcast that I'm going to the nitty-gritty having forgotten the beauty. But you and the team, there was no messing with you at all. Listen, it's Real Madrid. In the Real Madrid, this classy act, what they are now, they were, they've always been like that in my mind. They've always been a, you know, such a special club. But... I mean, they, 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 wanted, they took us on physically. Mm. They didn't want to make it a game of football. If you watch that game, they were putting themselves about. Mm-hmm. And we met fire with fire, and it was a real... You watch some of the tackles, you, not, you would not get away with them today. And it was the Parc de Prance. The pitch was cutting up. They'd the, the lined, the, you know, the lines, the white lines, they were lined. It must have been years and years of this, and the, the, the lines were raised. The ball was bubbling all over the place, which gave you a great excuse for mistimed tackles. <laughs> but it was... If you watch that game, they had... They had some players that could, you know... Could, Stilica was, was, a, was he no could, mess uh, Camacho, yeah, he, yeah, was yeah. A, he was a handful. He was, but... There were a few that could all put their foot in. Santiana, Juanito, and, and big old gentle, slow-moving Dabosky, who I'm sure wasn't the one that put his foot in, but... I can't remember could him. play, you had to shut him down. But and they it, were frightened of us. In the three European Cup finals I played in, Bruges at Wembley, frightened of us, didn't make a game of it. Real Madrid didn't make a game of it. They had a game plan to, to take us on physically. And Rome and Roma, they, they were terrified of us. You see, they, okay. I, I, That's where Liverpool, that was a standing Liverpool had uh-huh. at that time. Can I tell you a little story to end? And this, I was told this because I forgot this story, but I was talking about it the last couple of days. I can't think who I was talking to. So this is how the game is different today. We have won the European Cup in Paris. Phil, Neil and I get drug tested. So we have to give a urine sample afterwards. We come out the stadium, it's empty. So... There's no one waiting for us. We're just on our own, some part of Paris, and the streets are empty. And if you remember, well, you won't remember, right at that time, there was this sort of English hooligans were running riot. So the, the French police were really up for it. We come out, I'm saying to Neely, we've got a taxi. So we spend 20 minutes trying to flag a taxi down, no one will stop for us. So I'm thinking, what are we going to do? So blue lights come, come flashing towards us. I, said, I jump out and I put my arms up, stop, stop. <laughs> so this van pulls up, and at the back of it, pile four, or five or six, riot police, and they've got the batons in their hands. And I've, I've had to go into my pocket and show them my medal, my winner's medal, and ask them if they'd take me back to the hotel we're staying in. It's on the tip of my tongue. So you know, I'm pretending I'm kicking a ball. You're a player, you know, and here's my medal. <laughs> you can believe it. So Phil Neal and I went from the Parc de Prance back to our hotel, the Meridian it was, in the back of this police van with the blue light flashing with these riot police. Can okay, imagine that happening you, today? No wonder you're laughing now, because the modern footballers, and I'm lucky to live some of, near some of the greatest, they're cosseted, they're looked after, yeah. they, they, they click their fingers and everything stops, and it, it still well, seems ridiculous to but you've been left alone. We've just won the biggest competition you can for a club side. <laughs> because <laughs> the boys, but that was Liverpool. I never thought, never thought, up until I, I retold the story, I said four or five days ago, I never thought, well, at the time, that's... Your nose wasn't out of deserted. No, that was Liverpool. What lads? Get on with it. You wouldn't get treated like that in a pub no. team. If that was happening in a pub team in Lonethco or something, that, like that, it'd be like, that, oh, lads, at that time, I swear to you, we never thought twice about it. That was, get on with it. Who, who do you think you are to think we should spend our time looking after you? Not a chance. That was the way it was. I've been at a couple of European Cup finals that have finished in unbelievably dramatic fashion. Um, at 99 with United in Munich with a club that is pretty strong in your heart because the Chelsea game was just about as unbelievable with Didier Drogba's goal and, and what happened subsequently there's been Liverpool blah blah blah, blah. so 
where was your mind and your heart and your nerves with about a minute and a half left in Lisbon and you're trailing 1-0 to the enemy? Well, I thought, you know, time was running out and, you know, we'd had a couple of chances, a couple of half chances and thinking, are you going to get another one? Are you going to get another one? And you're looking up at the clock. My understanding, I don't know if this is true or not, but someone said to me that the Atletico kit man had brought the box out, which I think had the T-shirts in and the caps probably. So, you know, it was getting to that time. People were... You know, some had started to leave the stadium. You know, it was getting to that point, 93. Five additional minutes. I know Simeone was crazy about there being so many, which... You know, I, I thought it was fair. I thought it was. I, I did think it was fair with the stoppages and the time wasting. You know, for the set plays and the throw-ins. I, I thought it was a fair five. Obviously, after we did score, and Simeone was remonstrating with the referee that was going into it, that we played five, but you know, we did score after three. So nearly all games have three added on. So I don't think it was an argument that we'd scored on 94, 95, 96. It was 93. But yeah, obviously, clearly that's late. That's a late. The fat lady is, is warbling and warming out her voice to sing. Yeah. Can you remember the goal? Yeah, I, what I can't remember is how the corner came about. I can't remember that. But I remember, yeah, I remember clearly like Luca's right footed outswinging corner and then the ball being quite high but, and then dipping down. And Sergio not actually being up that high himself in terms of the jump, but the connection was was outstanding and at that period of the game to, I mean it was right in the bottom corner you're talking about against Courtois 6'5 6'6 he's got a massive reach anything but where it was and he probably saves it or it's it's going to go wide so a sensational moment and I was off <laughs> I was off I get there a bit late I think they were the huddle had almost broke up and they were heading back to the, the kickoff by the time I got down there, but you do see me just arrive at the end. And by the time I got there, it was like, come on, let's get back out there and let's finish this off. Were, were you slow getting there because Xavi Alonso pushed you out of the way? Because Xavi was down there as well. He's up and off in his suit, isn't he? The goal was in, and he's he's up over the wall and on the track, moving faster than him. He's moved all night. Well, I think I'm right in saying he got another band for that. Probably. I, I, that ban, he got banned. Doing occasional work that. for UEFA.com. I can't comment on that. No. So, all right, let's leave his, his foul misdemeanour of running around in joy at a football match aside. Mm. <laughs> can I ask it to be frank and say that as soon as it was 1 1, did you kind of know you were going to win? Because yeah. I think everybody else did. Yeah, we had a really positive feeling at that point. There were two things. You looked at the Atletico players from the psychological point of view about. Conceding a goal at that point, that's hard to take. <laughs> but also physically, yeah. towards the end of the 90 minutes and then going into extra time, there were players really fatigued. You know, they were dropping with cramp. They had to do the Diego Costa change after eight to ten minutes, so that was one change. Two others, you know, it was, it was difficult for them to see the game out physically. I did have some concerns whether we would be able to because we did have doubts over... Cristiano's fitness, Bale's fitness. Di Maria at one point was down and was thought he'd actually torn his hamstring, but it had just tightened up. And I think the euphoria and the adrenaline just well, got it, them through it. it. But there's, not, there's no fitness like we're going to win because they all looked as if it was day three of the season. Yeah. Once the sec, once the equaliser goes in, yeah. did, I mean they, they were playing glorious football. It was like playing as if it was October. It was yeah. absolutely fantastic. And I was, I was like, I don't know Gareth at all. But a hugely played. He, that, that to me, irrespective of what happened later, is the winning goal. As soon as it's two-one, that is it. Yeah. And I was pleased by him because he'd been, you know, underappreciated both by the Madrid crowd. I think in that first season by the Madrid media. And I think in Britain, if another player, a different type of player or in a different era, had been going abroad and winning the Champions League, he'd have been lauded for it differently. So was there satisfaction for you in seeing him getting that goal? Yeah, of course. And after having got the winner in the Copa del Rey as well with a, you know, a legendary goal. Running down the left, not the right. Where down he, the left. Having been defending outside his own box, which nobody gives him credit yeah. for either. Deep. Four metres off the pitch. I think he went out and got an ice cream and yeah. then came back. 44 metres. It's, it's an incredible goal. It'll go down in the... 
as a legendary goal as, as, as well as the, the winner in the thing as a Scotland and I don't be rude now but like we know each other well enough for me to talk about David Neary in the World Cup in 1982 when Jimmy Hill called up Topo when Davey scored the, the best goal in the world ever from 40 yards it was a good goal but he Topoed it in no he did yeah. he scuffed it I'm not sure he did. I mean, you see players, oh, do, you see oh. players do that now. Oh, it's a trick shot, is it? Ronaldinho, what about the way he, bum, he gets that quick release True. off the toes? True. I think it's a skill. Marcelo can do it really well as well. OK, well, I, I'm not really in a position to argue that one, but let's say I, I didn't come into this discussion <laughs> with that point of view. But it was, that was a glorious goal. I don't know if you've ever seen it, and if not, I'll do what Mark I did for you today and bring you nice pictures. The glorious picture taken in reverse angle by a sports photographer at... The Mestaya, where you win the cup. Mestaya, it? yes. So it's taken um, from the end at which Pinto is defending and which Gareth's about to score. Mm. And there's like, Gareth has gone wide, Bart was looking at the camera going, oh, how did he get by me there? And, and that time Martino's going to everybody, get back, get back to people who are 30 yards behind you, are never going to get there. And there's this beautiful tableau of Gareth, like a winged god. Yeah. I mean, it's chariots of fire. Bart are going oh, that's, you know, really screwed this up Tata panicking and it's just all frozen and stuff and it's fantastic photo fantastic photo yeah. which you, if you don't have you should have and if yeah, Gareth doesn't a, have he should have it was a great moment and poor old Tata should never have to see yeah, 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 sure. the celebrations in Lisbon what's winning a Champions League like oh, it's, it's incredible and the fact that it's also the it's a famous one as well right? the 10th Arbeloa said it to me as the next day as we were going to uh, the town hall to meet the mayor he said we've just won the most important trophy in world football and uh, you know I never thought of it like that but I do think about that moment now that he said that to me so yeah great memories of the final what happened afterwards I mean in, in Lisbon not a lot really apart from the the great feeling in the dressing room you're then onto the coach, and then we took the flight straight back to Madrid. So there was no party, and we what? got we got back to Madrid, and we took the trophy. Oh, trying to get to Sabellas, of course. Yeah, we went from the Bernabeu to Sabellas, and incredible. Well, some some I think most people who listen at the beginning of you know what that means, but at least for as we wind up this interview, this gorgeous interview, explain what that is, what it's like, what it looks like, what Sabellas is in this capital of Spain that we're speaking in now. Tell them what it is. Well, yeah, I mean, you got we got onto the uh, you know open top bus at the stadium, and then you go down the main, that's a massive main avenue down in, in Madrid called the Castellana, and uh, that goes to a a point where there's a statue, and then there's the Sabeles, uh, and then there's the I'm not sure what the it's an iconic structure right in the middle of Madrid, and that's the place where if you're with Real Madrid that you go and celebrate the victory. And there's another place, Neptune, Neptune. is Neptune. where Atletico go. Yeah, and just less regularly. <laughs> there were hundreds of thousands of people on the street, and it wasn't. We didn't get to Sabellas till six a.m. And the amount of people on the streets was it was incredible. That was a fantastic moment. Sergio and Ica took the trophy up onto the platform as a tradition of putting the, the scarf around so in Britain, the like, statue and health and safety wouldn't allow it because <laughs> they're quite high up yeah they are they're I mean, it, they put all the scaffolding up and it, it looked good all the same a few speeches back to the stadium and then we went off again and then we reported back the next day and that's when we visited we went to the town hall we went to see the mayor Puerto del Sol huge crowds and then finished off back at the stadium where we presented the trophy to the supporters, 85,000 there, firework display. Sensational. But then... It's gone. Finally. It's oh, what? It finishes. You know, you go off, the players go with their international, you're on, you're on holiday. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a memory, it's a fantastic memory. It's a fleeting moment. You know what, there's so much build-up to it. And I felt this a little bit with the other... I've been fortunate enough to be involved in nine major trophies and the journey is long and tough and demanding the victory is euphoric but it's it's short lived because you have to move on quickly because there's another season there's another game there's other trophies to be won but uh, these kind of interviews that really sort of bring it back when you start to really think about it and talk about it 
you know, I have my medal, which is obviously something very special that will get passed on through the family. The club, uh, with all the four trophies we won, gave us a miniature trophy, which is beautiful. Yeah. And uh, we had a, a lovely watch as well for winning the Champions League, so all nice things. That was Paul Clement, and let me tell you, we were eating in Vaca Nuestra in Madrid, the best steak any of us have ever chomped on. But it was Paul providing a unique insight into what it feels like to get the mountain top under your feet in club football. I hope you enjoyed that and all our cup final memories from this special episode. Backpage and I produce the big interview. The music is by the brilliant Beer Jacket. Go out and buy some of his tunes, they're the top. Of course, we're on Twitter. How could Twitter get on without us? Instagram, I'd tell you we're on there if I knew what that meant. At GH Podcast is where you'll find us. We're on Facebook, apparently. And you can keep up with our news at craymanter.tv where you can join a mailing list for free and receive the podcast, which we'll send to you for free every time there's a new episode. Be first. Be with us. If you like it, why don't you go to iTunes or somewhere like it, wherever you get your podcast, and leave a review. Let others know that you've enjoyed it. Let others share in the evangelical joy of talking about football. Tell your dad, tell your brother, your sister, your daughter, tell everybody. Go out in the street and go tell everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. We're here for you. I'm still here, Harper. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.